How's it going, buddy? Good. How are you? I'm great. Um, so this is a very DIY thing that we're doing, something new um, that we kind of got from the podcast guru there, 10 right? Yeah, yeah. First uh, ever punk rock cops podcast. So Awesome. Well, I'm excited. Are you? I'm nervous and I'm excited. So we'll see where it goes. Uh, gets kind of gets kind of sketchy when you when you talk about punk rock and you talk about cops. You got uh, you know, you got your uh, all cops are bastards and it doesn't belong anywhere in punk rock, which are right. all of my old friends that don't talk to me anymore. And then I have all my new friends that I met through uh, through the internet basically because there's uh, some amazing unicorns out there that are into punk rock that are police. So uh, I'm gonna keep the PMA. I'm gonna not worry about the haters. I'm sure we'll have some due to the nature of the beast here, you know, nobody likes police, I guess. So. Yeah. I mean, I think it's pretty punk rock to, to do something like this where you're part of both scenes in a way, you know, it's not like we were born police officers. We didn't wake up, you know, and um, out of the womb and put a uniform on. Um, we well, were, I, I don't know about you, but I, w- I was born a punk rocker, you know, I came out with a mohawk right. and, uh, you know, just two-stepping right out the womb, so. Oh, damn right. Like, <laughs> crowd killing all the toddlers. Right, right. Here. I mean, nothing's oh, changed yeah. much. I mean, it's still the same. But, uh, so anyway, what? so I guess we, we got this started uh, through 10-8 memes, kind of mm-hmm. hooked us all up. We were kind of talking with some friends through some different groups on Instagram, and I think we all kind of gravitated towards each other. We had... Uh, I was in a group of vegan cops. There's actually a very large group that I'm in on Instagram uh, with several vegan cops from all over the world. And there's a couple of people in there that I've become really close with over the years. Um, They were vegan, but they're also into hardcore and punk rock. And so kind of gravitated more towards those guys a little bit. We've met up a couple of times. And then um, I met Dave from Unit to Back because I noticed he had a really cool like circle jerk shirt. And I was like, what is this? It's a cop doing a little skank dance and we started talking and then all of a sudden I'm thrown in a group one day I wake up and it's like punk rock cops I'm like who are these people and so I meet I meet Rob and I meet uh, 10-8 and I meet a lot of I think I maybe knew 10-8 before but I meet a lot of other people and it's been really cool man seeing that other people are kind of a part of the same situation I guess it is that we are you know we kind of live in two very distinct worlds, you know, listening to punk and hardcore and ska and and things like that. And then working as a police officer, it's definitely interesting. I don't know. What are your thoughts? And I guess, is that kind of the same opinion of where we kind of, this thing came from? Yeah. um, So it kind of, for me, you know, I'd gone years and years without talking to any other cops that were into punk rock. I mean, I met a few people here and there throughout the years who, um, you know, like dropkick Murphy's or whatever. Um, but never anything other than that. Um, and it was more for the whole Irish type, um, you know, facade or whatever that the Murphy's do. Um, and then I was, how I found out about the group was, I was listening to poorly made police memes, his podcast, and it was still in his first season and he was just trying to get his feet um, wet in the podcasting world. And then um, he had 10-8 on as a guest 
and they were talking about how they were in um, like ska bands or punk bands or whatever, um, like pop punk bands. And they were just talking about that. And I was like, oh my God, like, that's crazy. Um, that's really cool. So then I checked out, I, I had not seen 10 memes or anything. So I just kind of looked him up and then um, I started listening to some of his podcast episodes and I saw that he had the one um, punk, punk rock cops with um, unit to back and uh, BC Sanders. Um, and so I listened to that and I was like, Oh my God, this is amazing. And then um, just kind of went down the rabbit hole from there and found everyone and started talking to a bunch of different punk rock cops and hardcore cops like across the country and found my my people so pretty right. awesome uh, yeah it's pretty wild so i guess uh i guess i'll ask you first what kind of brought you to uh to the music scene in the first place and then kind of where did you go from there and how did you get into law enforcement i mean people don't typically think that you know some kid walking around with a battle jacket listening to crass is going to uh, end up wearing a uniform someday. Can you kind of tell me your story and I'll kind of go through mine? Yeah. So um, I kind of got into the music um, through my older brother who he was a skater, skateboarder and um, through skating. And I think that is a lot of, you know, that generation because my brother, I think is in the same age range is like unit to back and BC and them. But he started listening to punk. Um, and he was more he started more in like the East Bay punk bands, like, you know, of course, Op Ivy, um, and like those those kind of lookout bands like Crim Shrine and 15 and all those other types. And he also liked he was a big Fagazi fan and um jawbreaker and and things like that some of the post-punk and so I started getting into it and then um he went in the military and so I didn't have like um guidance on where to go so I just started looking at whatever was on lookout records and um you know kind of branched out from there and then my brother bought me um, the first um, Rancid album, the self-titled one. And it was from there, it was just, I was gone. <laughs> and then um, from there, I kind of branched out into ska. I kind of found ska because, you know, Tim Armstrong, oh, come on. Ska's great. Um, but by the way, for those that don't know what just happened, Roger gave a thumbs down for ska but we all know he deep down inside he likes some of it it's circus music <laughs> whatever it's it's delightful um so i got into ska and i was big into that because tim armstrong you know had hellcat records he started hellcat records and i would listen to their you know their compilations and stuff and just like go down and find all these bands and then when I was about 18 is when I found hardcore and I started getting into that. And that's, you know, of course, one of my favorites. And then, yeah, from there, just, you know, 
I like so many different things, but you know, the big three for me are, you know, punk and hardcore and ska. And then of course with other stuff mixed in as well. But like before I got into um, punk, I was into like grunge. So I loved like Nirvana and Pearl Jam and Stone Temple Pilots and, you know, those type of grunge, Alice in Chains and all those. Um, I also liked um, Nine Inch Nails a lot. Um, That's more, I guess, industrial or whatever, but yeah. So what about you? Well, it's basically the same story. It's kind of weird because we're we're pretty close to the same age, I believe. So I kind of, you know, grew up like in really loving rockabilly type music like Elvis Presley and Jerry Lee Lewis and things like that and then you know in the early 90s you know, I liked metal and stuff I had an older cousin that was into Metallica and uh actually the first time I heard Last Caress was uh my my cousin had Garage Days by Metallica where they covered mm-hmm. Last Caress and I remember going around the house and singing that and getting slapped right in the mouth by my mom because obviously the lyrics aren't appropriate for a five-year-old but it was a great song and it was really catchy so my older cousin, she was into all that stuff, kind of got me into, you know, uh, Suicidal Tendencies, Faith No More, Danzig, Misfits, stuff like that. I didn't really know it was punk rock, you know, or, or metal I, I was, or hardcore. I was just young. And then the, the music I kind of discovered on my own would be in the early 90s. Uh, you know, Nirvana was real big. And of course, you know, being a teenager, listening to that Nirvana, even the mm-hmm. Red Hot Chili Peppers, um, bands like that stone temple pilots pearl jam and then you start Mm kind of looking into like what those bands were into right and then i'm like oh so these guys like the ramones what's the ramones and i would start listening to stuff like that probably you know end of eighth grade freshman year of high school was about the time that uh outcome the wolves came out by rancid i think it was like 95 so i was 13 years old it's like Mm -hmm. such a good time for music fat records was blowing up epitaph was blowing up um Mm -hmm. There was a uh, punk and Drublick had just come out the year before um, everything sucks by the descendants was out around oh, that time. I mean, just so many good albums. I'm not going to lie. There was um, a couple of good Scott albums out at that time. I think uh, real big fish had put out, uh, it was like a single, but they did a cover of Op Ivy's unity on it. I just remember like, oh, that was so yes, cool. um, I was actually listening to that the other day. I think it's called like take warning or something. Yeah. Something um, like that. But- yeah. But so, you know, you start getting that stuff and then the comps back then were amazing. You'd get like, give them the boot. You got, uh, you know, Victory Style, Revan Flight Program, all that stuff was coming out. It was just a really good time to, from like the 90s. With, and in my opinion, like we peaked as a species musically. Like there was just so much good stuff that came about at that time. So I kind of discovered it punk rock organically through that, you know, and then MTV, of course, was kind of showing some things. Green Day had come about. When I was about 13 years old, mm-hmm. Offspring, like these kind of radio friendly punk rock alternative bands were kind of blowing up. And so you, you would listen to these guys and you're like, oh, well, Green Day listens to this. Maybe I'll check mm-hmm. that out. Or like, oh, what's Screeching Weasel? These guys played with those guys, you know. So I started looking into it. And then there was there was a local band that was really big. They were a punk band and they would draw like 2000 kids a show. It was insane because I'm not from a large town in the Midwest, but it was large enough that when they would have these shows once a month, you know, 2000 kids would show up. So we would go and you just see everybody you knew and everybody you wanted to know was there. And I was like, I knew then I'm like, okay, I'm starting a band. So anyway, from there I went, um, there was a friend of mine that was always trying to get me to go to church and I really had no interest in church, but 
his church had a skate ramp. So I was like, absolutely, I'm going to go and skate. So we went and all these like kind of like interesting, like churchy, like hardcore kids were there. And they're it's like, so oh. funny because the same thing happened with me. You know, you hear there's a punk show and it's at a church and it ends up being like a Christian band or something yeah. playing it, but they're awesome. They're really good. And so right, then, right. yeah. So I kind of went like backwards. Like, so I, I discovered all this like pop punk, like Christian bands, like uh, mm-hmm. MXPX and oh, yeah. uh, Slick Shoes and 90 Pound Wuss and yeah. all, all these bands. And I'm like, oh, this stuff's cool. And then my freshman or sophomore year of high school, my buddy Todd showed up and I had never met Todd, but Todd showed up and he was wearing a leather jacket with spikes and he had like, you know, two-tone stuff. And he comes up to me and and his first words to me are, you old school or new school? And I was like, (laughs) what? So so Todd ended up introducing me to uh, the Dead Kennedys and Crass Mm -hmm. and the Sex Pistols. And I freaking loved it. I was like, wow, I didn't even know all this stuff even existed. Right. So that summer I was of course at that point like leather jacket when it was 90 degrees I didn't care you know I was I was mm-hmm. punk as punk can be and that summer I got a job at the fair and I, as I was working at the fair there was a guy there his name was Paul and I wish I could find this guy because like he literally changed my life forever I was having a bad day and Paul's like what's up man what's wrong with you and I was like man I'm just having a really bad day I'm depressed blah 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 and he's like well, it's because you listen to that negative punk rock all the time. Like, well, what do you mean? He's like, yeah, listen to the good stuff. And he hands me a tape. And on that tape, on one side was Gorilla Biscuits Start Today. And then on on the other side was Strife. And I don't remember which album it was, but I I heard it and I was like, what the hell is this? This is amazing, (laughs) you know? Mm -hmm. And so that kind of started my love for for hardcore. You know, I started listening Mm -hmm. to this stuff and I, I, my friends kind of made fun of me. They're like, what is this Gorilla Biscuits thing you're listening to? Like I said, (laughs) I'm not from like a big town and, obviously being a punk rock kid in a small town already sucks. Right. And then, then you start listening to stuff that even the other punk rockers don't listen to. And they're like, what the hell is wrong with you? Why are you dressing like a jock now? Why do you got new balance? (laughs) And why do you got a a high and tight haircut? Why'd you bleach the top of your hair? I'm like, have you ever heard chain of strength? That's amazing. You know? (laughs) So I kind of got into that scene that way. And I started playing in bands and it just, it's, the more you kind of dig into it, it just kind of spider webs out. It's this big, mm-hmm. crazy web of awesomeness. And it's like, mm-hmm. you know, and of course, you know, later down the road, I was listening to the post hardcore and uh, mm-hmm. things that I didn't want anybody knowing I was listening to like dashboard confessional, which I think we'll, we'll talk, we'll touch on later because uh, absolutely because Chris deserves to be talked about, but um, <laughs> I, uh, you know, it, it was really amazing to me. And, and I don't know if you can attest to this, but like back in the day, we didn't have this social media or instant gratification. I mean, granted, by high school, we were starting to get like AOL, instant messenger and things like that. So you would kind of meet other people out there. But I don't know if it was the same from where you're from. But where I'm from, I felt like I was very alone. You know, there was like three kids that like punk rock and you had to drive an hour and a half to go to a show where yeah. 10 people might show up. You know what I mean? Right. Yeah. Um, I mean, I grew up in a small town. I'm from the Rocky Mountains area. So in between the West Coast and the Midwest. And yeah, there wasn't a big scene here um, in the town I grew up in. And yeah, I'd, I'd have to drive at least 30 minutes to get to a show. Um, we'd have local shows and that was awesome but that wasn't until I was pretty much like a senior in high school um 
And then once I graduated high school, I got the fuck out of my small town and moved to a major city in my state. And um, that's where the scene was alive and well. But um, I mean, still, it wasn't that huge. And so, you know, I'm not talented enough to be in a band. So I would just go to every show I could. Um, and if there was a band I really want to see, I'd travel. So I would, you know, road trip it across the country to see a band that I really wanted to see. Um, I had some friends that were like-minded in that way. Um, and we would, yeah, we would go to some fests, like the, the biggest fest we would try to go to is Furnace Fest um, in Alabama. And that's where you got everything. You got everything from pop punk bands playing, like New Fan Glory, even like Andrew WK played one year, um, was a headliner. And then, you know, small bands, just like amazing, like bands that I would have never have heard of until I went to Furnace Fest. And um, just thinking about it now, I mean, that's how I met so many different people from so many different scenes, every, everywhere from the West Coast scene to New England, to the Midwest, to, you know, the South, like they were all there. And it was really cool to see. Um, but yeah, um, those were some of the best days of my life. Yeah, but, yeah. You know, it's just, it was awesome. And you just don't see that nowadays, at least I I don't think you do. Like you said, it's like with the instant um, gratification of social media, it's just so accessible and so easy to get music that a lot of people don't go out of their way like they used to. Yeah. And I'm not trying to be like uh, some, you know, boomer gatekeeper, like, oh, this is mine. You (laughs) you can't, you can't have it, but I think it did make it a little more special. I mean, obviously Mm -hmm. social media has its advantages. Uh, You know, we've, we've all met through this whole, you know, little web of punk rock, vegan cops, whatever, like these people that we probably thought never existed. Cause I don't know about you, but when I, you know, when I became a police officer, I, I, I lost some friends, you know, some people would not want to be friends with me anymore. And absolutely. And that's their, their choice. But uh, you know, I, I definitely felt very alone because you, you know, you get into this world and you, you don't really know uh, that you have people that you can identify with on this level about things. Cause obviously growing up in the punk scene is very special. And when you lose mm-hmm. that becoming a police officer, I mean, not all of my friends ditched me, but you know, some of them were pretty upset because some punk rockers don't like the police, you know, and that's, mm-hmm. that's just, that's just how it is. And I, and I understand that and that's, that's their thing. But um I guess going back a little bit to you mentioned that your scene kind of grew up like your senior year. It was kind of the same for me. A, a place opened up in 98. It was open from 98 to 01. And it was amazing. This uh, this guy, it was so funny. I thought he was so old at the time. He was like a dad to all of us. But looking back, he was like 30. But uh, he um, he opened a coffee shop where basically all the kids could go and had a place to stay. And it, it was everybody. You would have like the uh, I always called them the corn kids. Like, you know, the, the kids that listen to Limp Biscuit and Corn, and then you had the Ravers, and then you mm-hmm. had the punk rockers and the hardcore kids, and they had every band coming through. It was like, uh, as they were coming up, we had Alkaline Trio, we had mm-hmm. uh, From Autumn to Ashes, Rise oh, Against, yeah. um, mm-hmm. trying to think of who else, Big Wig from New Jersey, mm-hmm. uh, lots of really cool bands that were kind of like up and coming on... Um, 
you know, Asian man records or uh, oh, victory yeah. records or smaller labels that were just kind of blowing up at that time. Um, but it was cool to get exposure to those bands then because it was just so much more I'd learn. You know, you'd buy their record, you go through the liner notes and you're like, oh, hey, cool. Check it out. This band, I think these 10 bands. So I'm going to go buy those 10 CDs, you know, mm-hmm. and then at the time I actually worked at Best Buy. So I got really good at selling a product replacement plans because if I sold one I got a free CD so I used to just get all my CDs for free like that and uh it was pretty cool which I don't own a single CD now it's ridiculous I know it's dumb but I don't own I have a lot of records but so I I don't know if it was the same for you but it was kind of that whole digging for the next cool band or whatever was like uh I think that made it kind of special to me I mean now I'm kind of like everybody else, I get on Spotify or I get on Pandora and I turn on, you know, Gaslight Anthem Radio and then it plays, you know, all these bands that, that it thinks that I will like. And right. it's, it's, it's usually pretty right on. I mean, I can't deny oh, it. Oh, yeah. But I can't imagine having something like that when I was a kid. Because I remember my the very first time I, I got a CD player was for my 12th birthday. And my uncle actually had a... Uh, like a BMG music club thing where you buy like yes. 12, 12 CDs for a penny, but you have to buy a CD a month for 12 months. And he's like, right. I get 12 CDs for a penny. What do you want for your birthday? So I, I picked all these, these bands, you know, and mm-hmm. he's like, he's like, what the hell? Yeah. <laughs> he's like, what is this stuff you're listening to? But, mm-hmm. but it was pretty cool. Yeah. Um, I mean, same. I just, I also remember, um, you know, discovering zines and just like ordering a bunch of zines and seeing who they would review um like you know records or albums or whatever tapes that they would review and based on the review if it sounded like a band that I would like I would that automatically go and try to hunt that down order it and I did a lot of especially growing up in a tiny town I did a lot of mail order to get my, my, you know, my tapes and, and, and even like seven inches and stuff. When I finally decided to start, you know, record collection, I, you know, it was just always that anticipation of waiting. I remember going to the post office and waiting in line to get a money order to send, you know, and to get those records and whatnot. And they'd come, you know, packed in cardboard, folded cardboard, to protect the the records and whatnot. And um, it was just super exciting to get those and just throw those on the record player and just start, you know. Did you ever use uh, Dr. Strange records? I remember they were like the biggest mail order. I would get so much stuff from them. Yeah. I, I think you use them or not. Yeah, I did. Um, I think if I remember correctly, one of the first ones I ordered from them was uh, Buck 09. Yeah. That sounds right. Um, yeah. I think. That was the first one. Um, and I can't remember the name of that record. It was a, it was a 10 inch, I think. So the Schmedium record and, um, it was, um, had a song on there calling in sick. I remember hearing that song. That what that's what made me buy that record. I was like, that is awesome because it had that kind of punk sound, but then with the horns and everything, with my distaste for ska, I'm not going to lie, that I, that I do have that Buck 09 song on my Spotify playlist called Work mm-hmm. Sucks. So that's, on, that's one of them that's on there. So Yeah, they I'm didn't on, like working. 
Yeah, long enough blood, <laughs> bloodbath at Burger King's my other one on there. I think that was at the Bottle Rockets, maybe, or Teenage Bottle Rocket. I can't remember. Okay, uh, yeah. But yeah, so um, so how did you go from you know being a kid in the scene to end up working in law enforcement? I guess. Well, it was kind of always around. Um, my dad was in law enforcement. My dad's um, a military man. He was a Vietnam vet and. Um, he was always kind of interested in law enforcement. And so he was like a military police officer in the army. That was after he was like a Marine in Vietnam. And um, so he got into law enforcement, but he was never, he was amazing. He never pushed law enforcement on, on me at all. Never like said, this is what you should do, or, you know, it's what you have to do. And, and the great thing about my parents, um, they were very supportive of my, of my, you know, my musical tastes. (laughs) They would take me, they would drive me to the big city, like before I had a license to, um, to go to shows, like they drove me to, um, Wallapalooza when I was 13. Um, they drove me to um, Ska Against Racism. Uh, Asian Man Records put that one on and I really wanted to go. And so they made it happen. They drove me there. So um, anyways, with my dad being in law enforcement, that kind of put, you know, an interest in, in, in it for me. And, you know, I, I wanted to be different. I didn't want to be one of these typical uh, police officers who, um, you know, was just trying to like, you know, beat people up and throw people in jail. Like I I was totally in it to just, you know, as stupid as it sounds, help people. I think that's the cliche thing we all say, but obviously it's true, you know, otherwise we wouldn't be here. Right. Um, Yeah. So that was the the big thing. Um, And so my brother got into it. We both went to the Academy. My brother's five years older than me. Um, Once he got out of the military, then, you know, he started kind of working a little bit in law enforcement. Um, And then we went to the Academy the same year and got hired on by um, neighboring agencies. And then it just kind of went from there. Um, But yeah, I've been doing it now for geez, man, it's like 16 years total this year. Yeah. And it's just been, you know, amazing. I can't imagine doing anything else, even though I want to do something else eventually, you know, like it's takes toll on you after so many years. And I just want to like open up a coffee shop and sell baked goods. And, but for now, to stick to being a cop until I can afford to do the latter. So it sounds but like what you about and I you? are going to have to, we're going to have to open <laughs> in a, a coffee shop slash bakery record store. Cause that's like my, my plan as well. It's my, that's my cop retirement gig. Um, yes. So I kind of waited a while to get into law enforcement. Mm-hmm. I didn't start until I was in my thirties. Um, well, somewhat. So I was playing in a lot of bands, um, hardcore bands traveling all over the U S um, we did, we did well. I mean, we were signed to a couple of labels, but I mean, obviously that doesn't mean that you're making money. Um, I, I got married young and luckily my, my wife was a saint and she, uh, she put up with it. Um, we had kids and I was on the road traveling for weeks at a time and, and I would play and I would come back and, uh, you know, we'd get maybe $50 a gig if, 
if we were lucky, it didn't matter what our guarantee was. You know, you, you drive right. from the Midwest all the way to the East Coast and, you know, maybe the show will be canceled by the time you get there. None of us had cell phones at that point, you know, in, in right. the early days. So you'd find out that the club had been closed for two weeks when you get there. So it was <laughs> it was always uh, it was always a gamble, but it, it was fun. Lots of good memories on the road. And uh, I opened a uh, I did open a record store for a short time in 2002. And unfortunately, it was kind of the same year that like Napster and the iPod kind of blew up. And just my, you know, the cost that it was for me to purchase records and sell records and to have an overhead to have a building and all that just really wasn't worth it. It was, it was really cool because I got to uh, get a lot of free music and it's kind of, it kind of sucks being a, being a big music fan and running a record store. It's almost like being a dealer and uh, digging into your own stash because uh, (laughs) you know, you want to use all your stuff before you can sell it. And uh, so from there I played in some more bands, opened a coffee shop for a short time. It was, Oh wow. That's cool. It's actually was open for a long time after I left. It It was a collective of me and some other people. And so I was pretty happy about that. At least I had that impact. And then Mm -hmm. I came home from an east coast tour we'd been gone for a couple of weeks my wife's like hey you have a job interview on monday and i was like i do and I, she's like yeah and i was like well, i don't remember applying for any jobs and she's like oh no you you, you did and I, so while i was gone she applied me to be a dispatcher so i ended up working in dispatch and i I was there for about a decade and then i just kind of yeah, i wanted to see what it was like on the other side of the radio so i decided i was like i'll put my name in the hat and you know another about a decade later, here I am. So I guess, I guess the question I'm going to ask you is how has kind of being in the punk scene and hardcore scene, things like that, prior to being in law enforcement, how did that kind of shape what you do as a police officer? Well, um, I think for me, it just, because obviously music and the scene, um, the punk rock scene, it's just so heavily, focused on the the music aspect, of course. Um, I think it's really made me a good listener and kind of a patient person as far as, you know, talking with people and hearing their story, right? Um, That's what we do a lot in this job is you're there, you don't know someone, you don't know like what their background is, what their situation is, what is going on in, in their mind. And so you're trying to, you know, understand what, what's going on. And so you sit there and you, you're listening. Um, and, and so for me, just having that open mind, because as, you know, as we know, you're supposed to, the, the scene, the punk rock scene is all about being open-minded. Um, well, at least it's supposed to be. And so, I think for me, keeping that open mind has really gone a long way. I mean, of course, you know, we've all come across, we've all dealt with people um, that, you know, no matter what you say or do, you're not going to get through to them or there's, you know, mental health aspect involved with it, but it's also, so it's helped me build those relationships um, by listening to people and just giving them a little extra time, you know, when you're, when you're able to, obviously not every call you go on or every situation you're in, you, you get that luxury, but it also, um, you know, has helped me, you know, kind of 
you know, build somewhat of a rapport with, with teenagers who, if I see them wearing a band t-shirt, I can, you know, start, you know, a positive interaction with them by just talking about, you know, oh, hey, oh, like you listen to Avenged Sevenfold. Well, I knew them. I met those guys like before anyone knew who they were. Right. Um, right. And you're you're like, like, uh, you're like, Hey, that misfit shirt you're wearing, name three songs or you're going to juvie. Right. (laughs) (laughs) Right. Exactly. Um, And you better not say any, um, any songs from the Michael Graves. Oh, come on. I love Michael Graves. It better be Danzig. You better. Uh, Michael Graves is my man. He's cool. (laughs) I love Michael Graves. I love Dr. Chud. So what the listeners don't know is that we have, Roger and I have this little feud that we had of, you know, which era is our favorite and I'm team Danzig all the way. I know that sounds like, you know, the most popular choice. He's going against the grain. He's, you know, like cool for being outside the box, but I'm all about Danzig. His voice, you cannot replicate that voice. And, I mean, you know, some of his songwriting, um, his lyrics and stuff like that, those are just hard to, those I, mean, are harder. I, I, I like, I like Danzig. I, I do like him. He's the evil Elvis. I mean, he's, he's cool. Mm-hmm. I, I dig it, but I mean, his lyrics are okay. He's talking about, you know, maggots in the iron lung copulating, I guess that's, that's <laughs> cool. But the first big show I saw was the misfits in 1997 with michael graves doyle jerry and dr chud david calabrese who actually is a really cool guy his brother's a cop by the way but that was with uh marky ramon and the intruders and h2o so that was my first exposure to h2o also uh, so it's always and gonna I'm wearing, hold like I'm a h2o shirt nice. by the way. very cool so uh that, that's always like gonna hold a special place in my heart and then i saw them i think in 98 or 99 with uh guar and voodoo glow skulls and it was just so good and then of course i played with uh jerry Olney's version of the misfits with des kadena and uh robo a couple of times and then i did uh i did some shows with michael graves did some shows with dr chud's x word so i've met those guys and they're all really cool guys I've, i've actually never met danzig i've tried but he's always like too cool for school when it's time to meet him so Maybe, right. maybe someday, but you know, I just uh, I feel like if they hadn't called the new band the Misfits, they wouldn't have gotten such a hard time because it's it's some really good music. I mean, if you listen to The Shining or or any of the, it's it's just great pop metal punk, and it's just so good. But that's my opinion. Sorry about that. I didn't mean to go off on my Misfits tangent, but uh, I knew you would. As soon it's as almost I brought Halloween, it up. though, so I mean, I guess I guess that's what we got to do. So. Well, you know, American Psycho is a decent album. I'm not going to dispute that. Um, it's just not, it's just, you're, you're absolutely right. I feel like they should have changed their name to something, something else, because I just feel like they're not the misfits without Danzig, but that's just my opinion. Um, but anyways, I mean, to be fair, <laughs> I, I, I did see them in row. I, I did, I did see them a couple years ago with, uh, it was the original Misfits with Danzig and Doyle and Jerry. And um, I believe Steve Lombardo from Slayer was playing drums for mm-hmm. him. And Fear opened and Power Trip opened and Venom opened. It was a pretty cool show. I, I'm, I was honestly more impressed by Lee Ving of Fear than anything. He's like 
looks like your grandpa on stage and he's still out there singing beef bologna and all that stuff. But um, Danzig sounded great when I saw him then. So I, I was impressed. And I don't know if I've told you my weird relationship with Danzig, but uh, did, I, did I tell you this story? I, think so. I don't think so. So if we got time, I, when I was very young, I was obsessed. Like Mother 93 came out, which was just oh, Mother yeah. with, with <laughs> uh, some crowd noise in the background. But there was an album, Thrall Demon Sweat Live, that came out. If you had the CD, if you skipped forward to track number 93, it was Mother 93. So I was really, That is the really best in- version. Yeah. So Mother really, 93, so yeah, good. It's exactly the same as the 87 version, but I don't know they, I think why they changed. It's just, it's more iconic, I think, just because they put 93 behind it. I, I think it's the video, because Danzig's <laughs> looking like Wolverine and just like punching That's people true. in the crowd and stuff. But anyway, so when I was like, in seventh or eighth grade I was obsessed with mother I thought it was the coolest song ever and my dream was to go to a Danzig show and get kicked in the face by Danzig it was a joke (laughs) between all of my friends so so finally I think in like 1999 Danzig came to my town and he was playing with uh, a little known band at the time which blew up quite I'm not super fond of it's not my style but disturbed is uh he uh disturbed open for him that night but it was a 21 plus show and I was only 17, so I couldn't go. But I was like trying my hardest to get into the show because I really wanted to see Danzig. I, I never even got to see Danzig till like 2008 or nine when uh, Death Red Sabot came out. I finally got to see him. But mm. um, so the radio station heard that as a child, I wanted to be kicked in the face by Danzig. So there was kind of like this shock rock DJ in the area at the time. And I don't know who told him that like that was my dream when I was a kid, but they they wanted to set it up where I would go in live on the air and get kicked in the face by Danzig <laughs> during his set. And I was so excited, but the club wouldn't let me in because they were scared they would lose their liquor license. So it never happened. So I've still yet to meet Danzig and get kicked in the face by him, but maybe maybe someday. I well, still he's a hope. senior citizen now, so I wonder if it would hurt as bad. I don't know. I, 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 like, to, I like to pretend that it's still going to hurt, so... Well, that's, you know, what dreams were made of. Um, but <laughs> I feel like he would also need to wear his fishnet, like, shirt. Otherwise, right. it has no real... <laughs> well, and I'm sure he's just like a norm- normal dude, right? Because, like, the first time I met Jerry Only, uh, the first thing he said to me, like, oh, hey, what's up, Raj? Where's the bathroom? I'm like, okay, cool. I just met Jerry <laughs> Only, like, my childhood hero. And this is the first thing he asked me. I was doing a show with him and... Uh, like, hey, hey man where's the bathroom I'm like okay <laughs> this is awesome though I, I guess that yeah you know but sorry I, I didn't mean to run off on a tangent any any more things we should talk about I know uh tonight one um, we're gonna about we're gonna try to wrap this up now and um so Roger what what are some of your all-time favorite bands in in the, the genre um you know it can be like just general punk or I, I kind of break mine down by subgenres, but like, what are a few of your all time favorites? Oh God. So of course I'm a huge Misfits fan. Always will be. I mean, I think they're just timeless. Uh, mm-hmm. Whether you're talking the Graves era or the Danzig era, I think it's, it's just fun and it's, you know, it's, it's so awesome. Um, I really enjoy a lot of youth crew bands. I like uh, Gorilla Biscuits, Youth of Today, Shelter. I'm a huge Shelter fan. I think that's Ray Capo's best band. I know you and I disagree on that. But, yes. 
Uh, Well, but, and we'll go into that a little more in another episode because you're forgetting better than a thousand. Yeah. And I, I just, I kind of wrap up like youth of today, shelter better than a thousand judge side by side, like Mm -hmm. all of those youth crew bands. Like I consider that like one band. Cause I, I have to have most, them all. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's like, yeah. Cause and, they all and, have interchangeable members. Yeah. I mean like Sammy from Warzone's <laughs> playing with whoever Walter's playing and quicksand. And it's like all these guys I love, like these amazing, like 15 bands, of, like the same five guys just rearranged differently, you know? But so that kind of, I, I'll say gorilla biscuits, but I, I, when I say that, I mean like revelation one through 15 or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, I, oh, I, yes. I, really, I really love shelter. Um, some newer stuff. I mean, I, I love the Gaslight Anthem, if you consider that newer. It's kind yes, of... Yes, I, I love them too. Yeah, if you want to call them punk rock, I don't know, uh, you know, rock and roll. Yeah, there's but, a twinge in there, a punk, but just yeah. general rock. But they they have punk influence, for sure. Yeah, um, one band that I love that almost everybody I talk to hates is a band called Curl Up and Die. I don't know if you ever listen to them, but they're from Los Angeles. Yeah, absolutely. And they kick ass. They're so good. <laughs> Uh, so if anybody's never heard them, I recommend the album. Unfortunately, we're not robots because it's so good. And if you like Starship Troopers, the only good bug is a dead bug. is an amazing album. So that's kind of my picks. I could I could keep going because I could go, you know, we could talk about post-hardcore. I like Fugazi, mm-hmm. of course. We could talk about emo. I like Elliot and uh, obviously Further Seems Forever, Dashboard Confessional, Jets to Brazil, all that stuff like we could go down that road but it's it's just such a weird little like hodgepodge and of course i like the old school stuff the clash the sex pistols the classic mm-hmm. stuff you know talking heads but uh, i'll let you talk more because i i'll keep going <laughs> yeah for me um i mean a lot of what you mentioned same thing um one of my all-time favorite bands is rancid and i know that people are going to be like, oh yeah, well that's like, you know, they're sellouts and they did this. No, they, they've been consistent and they have amazing side projects. Um, all the members do. And I love all their side projects, everything from um, Lars and the Bastards to um, the old firm Casuals to Devil's Brigade to Charger to um Tim Timebomb and friends and things like that. So they're, they're just amazing. They've always, I could listen to an outcome, the wolves, like every single day and never get sick of it. It's just one of the best punk, like ska punk, ska albums, um, ska punk, whatever you want to call it albums um, ever in my opinion. And you can fight me on that. I will fight you all day long. Um, so that's I think that might just favorites. be like one of the best albums of all time. Like yes. punk, punk rock, whatever. It's just so well put together and it sounds amazing. It is. And we'll talk a little bit more about that because I was listening to um podcast with Lars and he talks about writing some of the songs on that album, which I thought think is really funny how he talks about the writing process for that. Um so yeah, definitely rancid. Um, you know, of course op Ivy, um, which they go hand in hand, obviously. And with Op Ivy, um, there's a band called um, Common Rider who Jesse Michaels, I don't know if you've listened to them at all. They're amazing. So that's a lesser known band I think people should um, try out if they love Op Ivy or they want to hear a little more Op Ivy type. I mean, obviously it's not the same, but you have Jesse Michaels' voice 
And it's, he does some songs that are like kind of punkish, but then he does like a little ska influence in there, like Op Ivy. It's just great. Um, so of course, hardcore bands, like those, those New York hardcore bands, you can't beat. um, you know, youth, the today, of course, um, Gorilla Biscuits. I mean, I just went record shopping because I had to get rid of all those records that I bought of them. And I just rebought those so it made me very happy and so um definitely those youth crew bands um kind of an offshoot of youth crew like once those youth crew bands kind of faded out in like the the early to mid 90s I liked a lot of the Boston hardcore bands like Tenured Fight um in my eyes you know those those guys Bane um, those are all great bands that, you know, I got to see, um, actually, and it was really cool that I got to see, um, before they all broke up, of course. <laughs> Speaking of Boston um, hardcore, not to catch you off, but were you ever into Re- Reach the Sky? Oh, absolutely. Oh, they're so I, uh, underrated. Oh, they're so good. So underrated. Matter of fact, um, I almost, um, passed out. So I was at a Reach the Sky show and I was right up against the amp. Um, and it was so loud. And of course, back then you don't wear ear protection and I, it was so loud that I almost passed out. That's how loud it was, but, um, I'll never forget that show. Those, it was in a basement, a tiny, like low ceiling basement. And it was so fun. I mean, it was one of the funnest shows. They were, I saw them one time and it was with, uh, Lars and the Bastards, Mm. um, Dropkick Murphys. Oh my God. And that's amazing. Thug Murder from Japan. It was a female-fronted hmm. hardcore band, and I thought Reach the Sky like stole the show. But I, oh yeah, like They're nobody so else good. like was was really like that into it. And everybody, everybody was there drinking green beers and and wearing uh, <laughs> four leaf clovers, you know. But and don't get me wrong, I love Dropkick Murphys, but you know, so you do that, I. And you get I that mean, frat boy crowd from time to time, you know. Exactly. They're just they're more of a bro band. Um, I mean, I love them. Don't get me wrong. Like their first album with Mike um McColgan like uh, one of the best I love that album so much do or die um so good but Street Dogs is another one uh from Boston that very underrated like you know under the shadow of of Dropkick Street Dogs is awesome like I I wish like more they would have continued a little bit longer um, because they just made some am- amazing music. And, you know, you have like Johnny Rio in that band who, you know, he was in the Bruisers with Al Bar and stuff. That's another band that's underrated because yeah, of Dropkick. Well, if we're talking, if we're talking Boston again, we can't leave out Blood for Blood. I mean, oh, amazing, yeah. you know, and obviously, oh, yeah. you know, Rob's with Ramala now and man, being a poor kid from the trailer park, when, when I heard them, like, I was like, oh my God, this guy has my heartstrings. You know, this is, this is the most amazing thing I've ever heard. Like this guy's speaking the truth and you know, they're, they're oh, yeah. a Boston band. So. Oh yeah, absolutely. Um, and I mean, you just felt like the um, passion with, with their music. They, they, they really meant what they said. And right. Right. So. Yeah. Actually, I just saw the video of like one of their shows not that long ago, Rob was wearing a greasy jujitsu shirt. So I kind of, kind of want to know if he trains cause I, I would totally love to train with him. But anyway, so I won't go off on any more tangents. I guess one thing I'd like to say before we wrap this up is uh, it's kind of cool that everybody's getting together. And I hope that if somebody even listens to this, you know, I'm sure we'll have some haters out there because because you have that. But I hope that there are some people out there that hear this and like, oh, wow, there are other people like me in the world because uh, I definitely felt very alone. You know, like I was the, the guy that 
everybody at work was like, what the hell is that crap you're listening to in your squad car? And it's like, right. freaking awesome. What do you think it is? But I, I hope some yeah, other people there's... out there may, may hear this and be like, oh yeah, cool. So like, you know, there's other normal people out here in this job. For sure. And I mean, we're, we're out there and, you know, um, if you guys ever want to, want to chat, I'm on Instagram. Um, so my handle is HXC buttercup. Um, if, if you ever want to, want to talk music, um, hit me up on there. Um, Roger, I don't know. It's kind of up to you whether you want to. Okay. So yeah. So if you ever want to, um, talk music, just hit me up or, you know, you can find me through Tenny. um, he'll forward information. Otherwise let's see, let's meet up again and, uh, talk some more yeah, music. Yeah, I think yeah, next it's... time we'll go, we'll go into, um, just some of the subgenres if you want. We'll... Yeah. I'd like to explore some stuff, you know, some, some hardcore, some punk rock. I'd really like to talk about some Krishna core. I love that stuff. So. Oh yeah. Uh, yeah, definitely. Yeah. And, um, and, and, and that, I think, uh, you know, like uh unit to back and uh, vegan police and uh, 10, eight, I'm sure that they will want to be on here sometime and, yeah, have for everybody sure. talk about some music and stuff, but now everybody kind of knows who we are. We can go from here. Yeah, we can definitely um, maybe have some some buddies on here and chat about how they got into law enforcement and how they got into the music scene and and just you know go from there. So thanks everyone for crazy stories that they'll want to share. So oh yeah, definitely. Um, and that's another thing we'll do, I think, is uh, we'll talk about some maybe some calls that we've been on, um, maybe some bucket list calls that we'd love to go on but haven't gone on yet. I know I have a couple um, and that we can kind of go into our careers of our maybe some of the types of things we've done. Um, like I've been a detective. Um and a school resource officer, and I worked in a jail and stuff like that. I know we didn't get too much into that, but maybe we can talk a little bit about that without going too far into our right. Right. Our jobs. If anybody anybody in a band I, I think hears this and wants to be on the podcast, it would be great. I'd, I'd love to talk to some guys out there. I'd love to talk to say Toby Morse or somebody. You know, people that have oh, been that'd be big, amazing. People that have been you know big uh, inspirations to me throughout my life. So. It'd be cool. So I, I, I'm willing to talk to anybody and maybe people have some questions about what it's like to do this job and stuff. So I'm down, but it's good chatting and uh, I'll see you all soon. Yeah. We'll see you later. Keep that uh, PMA out there, guys. Right. Bye.
blue till you shit in your pants No move, child, got a big black stick There's six of us, babe, so suck up my dick and ride